Hey there, thank you so much for listening. This is the Big Time Talker Podcast. I'm Burke Allen at our studios here in Washington, D.C. The show is sponsored by SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. So if you're a meeting planner or maybe you're a speaker, you can find one another at SpeakerMatch.com. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. Uh, you can find us every Tuesday with brand new episodes on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, iHeart. So please subscribe and download new content every Tuesday. We're interesting guests. We talk to uh, speakers. We talk to uh, Grammy award-winning musicians. And today we're talking to a lady who wrote the novel of the year, the Whitney award winner, Lori Lewis. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I just want to follow you around and do that every time you walk into a room. Is that okay? <laughs> I think I put up on Facebook today. I'll probably be in a coma after this broadcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you you're local. You're in Maryland. We should have gotten together here at our glass enclosed studios and you know and just enjoy one another's company. But yet we're visiting on Zoom across the Potomac to talk about you and your writing. Actually, I'm in Utah now, but uh, I used to live in Maryland, and that's where I met Michelle, who's the subject of the book. But yeah, we're out here by the mountains now. Ah, I used to live in uh, in Salt Lake City, in Sandy, actually. So okay, well, we are on the west side of the let's see, west side of the Utah Lake. And is it snowing in Utah? It is February as we record this. Yes, it is snowy on the mountains. It is just kind of gray today, but the mountains are beautiful. So. You've got the inversion in Utah, which makes <laughs> people want to curl up by a fire and read a book. And that's good for your business, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So now you spent time in Maryland. You're in Utah now. Where did you grow up? I grew up, well, after we bounced around a lot when I was little, but I spent most of my life in Maryland in Carroll County. Yes. Over got by a the water. Carroll County accent still. Yeah. That's and right. uh, it was great. We had a, had a wonderful time. And then my husband lived in Westminster. So we got married and we uh, started in Maryland and then moved to Virginia for a while. Then we ended up in Hagerstown and finally settled with her family in Mount Airy, Maryland. So that's where we raised our kids until about three years ago, three and a half. And then off to the Intermountain West for you. Yeah, because the kids all moved west and it was the pandemic, and we thought, if this lasts very long, we will not have very good access to our family, so we we headed west. Did you grow up a uh, a big reader, a voracious reader, a non-reader? I, I, I did read about you that you grew up as a Bobby Sherman and David Cassidy fan, but were you reading <laughs> anything besides Tiger Beat and 16 when you were a kid? I used to write episodes of all the shows they were in, and I would write myself in as the guest character, and then I would act it out in my basement. So. I love it. I love it. Well, you're in Salt Lake City in Utah, uh, you know, that area. You may have a random Donny Osmond sighting. It could happen at any it, moment. It could. It could, and it would be a thrill. It would still be a thrill. So, yeah. Lori, I will have to tell you, when I did a radio show in Salt Lake, Donny came up to the studio. He was doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And uh, he came up to, to our glass enclosed studio there. And we're on the uh, 23rd floor of this office building where the studios were. And all the women in the office knew that I rode the elevator up with Donny Osmond. So they all were pressed up against the glass. I felt like I was in an aquarium <laughs> as they were all checking out Donny Osmond. I was, oh, yeah. I was the window dressing that day. Um, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, that, I mean, he's just very gracious. I, I think it would still be exciting to meet him for sure. Yeah. He's a good man. And you can see photos of that, by the way, on our allenmediastrategies.com website. Uh, if you want to visit Lori Lewis online, it's Lori C. Lewis. Lori, actually, let me spell this out so we don't screw it up uh, because it is Lori L A U R I E L C Lewis, L E W I S. Dot com and you can find out about her Donny Osmond, David Cassidy, and Bobby Sherman obsession, <laughs> um, as well as as her books. And you are what we call in in the book world a prolific writer. I mean, you write and release books all the time. So where does that inspiration come from? A lot of it comes from um, personal encounters with people. Some of it comes from headlines. Um, but most of it has some kind of a tie back to somebody I've met or a conversation I've had or something I've read. But um, I, I like to write books about with redemption stories, uh, books where people overcome challenges. And uh, I don't know, those are just uplifting. That's kind of my thing. I like to write uplifting, inspirational stories. You um, you said in your bio that, that you used to spend a lot of your quiet time at home rewriting these episodes of of these tv shows where like you're the guest star with david cassidy and yes. and yet your parents did not have you committed to an institution true. and <laughs> and you were able you're able to turn this in to making a living um and and doing you know a lot of books about local history there and in, in uh you know maryland and 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 you know growing up and living in in this area where i am where you used to be dc you got philadelphia williamsburg a little bit south you were just surrounded by history. Were you a, a a history nerd when you were a kid? Were you way into it then, or did that come later in life? You know, I didn't really appreciate it that much when I was in school. I mean, I was a I was a very good student, and I learned what I needed to learn. You know, and I I you take it for granted. And I I think one of the things that really touched me was when we personalized the history by telling the stories of individuals or how individual lives were affected by what was happening in history kids absorb it so much better. And I feel like if if they would write books in that perspective, not just so much yeah. the dates and the places, but how did it impact individual lives? Then kids would love history. And that's that's why I love history. And, and I fell in love with it exactly where you're saying, a walk through Philadelphia, a walk through uh, Williamsburg, or many, many walks through Williamsburg, and so much history. And then when you see the places and you stand there there's a spirit in a lot of these places you can feel it still you know and uh and and, and that's what i wanted to do so i wrote a five volume um american history series based around the war of 1812 and um it took eight years to write it but we my husband and i traveled to almost all the places that are in the book and it was just like a, a personally exciting experience but it really solidified my love of the founding fathers and that next generation and the similarities and the struggles that we face and they faced are are just very apparent you know and so i just i don't know but when you personalize those stories and know the individuals and see where they walked it becomes so real to you so when it's dry when history is dry like you said and and you can just sort of see the students' eyes roll in the back of their heads and, <laughs> yes. and and they, you know, tune it out. It's only because no one has taken the time or effort or energy to 
to breathe life into those characters. And I think it's cool that you said you and your husband, you know, you, uh, and, and I'll use air quotes, did a lot of research by traveling to these places. Um, is that a fun part of the writing for you, the the research? Because you, you, you write fiction, you make stuff up, but you do want to build a world that has some realism to it. So uh, talk to me about the research. Oh, I, I think that that's so important because when you, when a reader reads your book, you're asking them to suspend disbelief for a while to come into your world that you're creating. And so they will, and I was just at a book club the other night, we were talking about this with the, with a bunch of ladies, but when your research is bad and they, they go back and fact check and find out that you, it's not based at all. In fact, they, they don't want to stay with you. You've lost them. So research is really important. And I feel like most of the work that I've done that's been historical, I try very hard to not put words in a historical character's mouth. And that's where fictional characters are great because you put them on the scene and let them relate what actually happened in history. And then that way you bring history, really good, clean, well-researched history, but also that good human perspective you can bring them together without uh, messing around with the truth so it's good Lori lewis our guest today on the big time talker podcast an award-winning best-selling author and uh she's got a bunch of stuff out there check her out online and uh at amazon and all your favorite bookstores so you're i think 100 percent right that if you uh if you blow the details when you're writing history or geography you will be called out. You will be, you know, uh, whipped a hundred times with a wet noodle. Um, <laughs> you know, I grew up in, in West Virginia and I can't tell you, Lori, how many times people have come up to me and said, where are you from? And I say, West Virginia. And they say, oh, that's great. I've got family in Richmond. And they don't realize, you know, it's, it's its own state. Have, have you ever, have you ever like slipped up in one of your books and put something inaccurate in there and been called out on it? Come on. You can tell me. Just between you and me and, and my tens of <laughs> listeners. Come on. I I've had I have been called out two times. Um one time it was a geography issue. I had somebody in Baltimore at the harbor describing the sunset from a certain location, and they said, I'm sorry, but that's where the sunrise comes up. And so they were totally right. And I totally botched that. And yep. uh, and they called me out in public. So that was really great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then another time, um, the the I had the dates right, but I had a character a character wrong, and um, and they they caught me on on that too. But that luckily they 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 emailed me privately on that one. They didn't do it in a public forum, which I appreciated very much. <laughs> you know, I, I work with a lot of writers, and I'm always <laughs> fascinated in the skill set that that you guys and you ladies have in keeping those details straight. And and I want to sort of do the Wizard of Oz thing and pull the curtain back for just a minute and ask you about your process. So, you know, how do you make sure that, you know, you get the minor character's name right if you refer to them in, you know, page 17 and then again in page 350 or or the location or whatever that minutia is? How do you keep it all straight? What's your your detail? How do you do it? Well, I, I do a lot of charting for the facts. I keep them in a spreadsheet um, with the dates and, and my, uh, my um, 
you know, like where, where I found the information, all that stuff. I keep that. So when I write it, I feel like I've got the story pretty much laid out if it's very complex, but um, the, the real, the real help comes from lots of eyes, beta readers, lots of people. I have a team around me now and I'll send it out to them and I'll say, you know, just be honest with me. I'd rather you humiliate me now than I send it out into the world and get it publicly, you know, and they'll say, well, she had yellow, she had gold, brown hair here, and then she had red hair here. And I said, okay, well, let's fix that. And so it, it takes a lot of eyes. And um, I work sometimes with traditional publishers. And then sometimes I self-publish like the letter carrier was a self-published book. And that's its own story about how that came to be. But um, when a publisher is doing it, they have a lot of beta readers that are checking for those things. But when I do, when I'm doing my own, I have to have a team of about 12 or 15 different people who comb through every detail for me. So, yeah, because I would assume that that eventually the words all just blur together. You can only look at that page so many times uh, and, and then you're no longer capable of catching mistakes. Right. That's absolutely true. And then, you know, what's so interesting. So I just I have a book that's coming out in at the end of March and we're in the process of just cleaning up the last details on it. And I sent it out to beta readers and I'll get feedback and everybody sees something different. It's just crazy. Like somebody just sent me something the other day that no one else caught out of all the team. So it's just eagle eyes, you know, just eagle eyes. <laughs> Lori Lewis is our guest today. She's an award-winning inspirational fiction author. And I want to ask you about that title, Inspirational Fiction. As I, I was checking you out before our conversation, I saw that you said, really, no matter what genre of book I write, whether it's historical fiction or, or romance novels or, or fiction targeted towards women, I'm all about God, family, and country. Is that what you mean by inspirational fiction? Well, those things and also that idea of redemption, that all of us we're, we all make mistakes. We all fall, you know, but we show grace to each other and then we extend that to ourselves. And so I like to see characters that grow, overcome challenges. Um, I, I like I, my favorite comment that I get from readers is when they can see themselves in the character or when they walk away and they felt better or uplifted or motivated or empowered because you know, a character overcame something that they found as a challenge. So I think, um, and I do love to turn everything back. I don't like to be really overt, but I, I love the theme that um, of faith, of, of faith and God's power to lift people and to redeem us, you know, because we will all make mistakes. And a lot of us just um, can't, can't let go of our failures. We just can't let go. Do you find that, that writing within that genre that that maybe some people uh, will take a pass on on your books oh Lori lewis she's she's okay but she writes that christian fiction uh do you feel like you ever get lumped into that world i haven't heard too much of that but it might be because most of my audience um knows my work and and that they're looking for that but i i feel like i write really hard-hitting books like i pick topics that are are deep and I try to write stories that are deep and not not I mean there's a there's a place for light escapism I mean we all need that I need that um but but I the books I write are mostly um deeper topics and I feel like people who 
might not be looking specifically for an inspirational book. I think they appreciate somebody telling a story and being truthful in that story. So um, I hope I hope they have broad appeal. I think I do. But um, in any case, I love the Christian market just because it's hard. I hear a lot of parents talk about wanting to have a book that they can pass down to their family members or share with a friend without making a lot of, um, well, watch out for pages 12 through 15, you know? So, um, and there's a place for all of that, but that's, you know, I like that I'm writing a, writing books that fill that gap. Lori Lewis, our guest today, and uh, you can get all her books at Amazon, ask for them by name at bookstores. One of the things that I love about your books in particular is and this is an old cliche, right? So forgive me, but they say you can't judge a book by its cover. A Lori Lewis book, you can judge by its cover because <laughs> your covers are awesome. Your covers oh, are fantastic. <laughs> thank so, you. You're welcome. So tell me how you do that. How do you make them? Uh, I mean, the, I look at these books and and you may not have noticed with my scruffy beard, but Lori, I am a man. And yet <laughs> I find myself wanting to read Cross Country Christmas because of that book cover. When it's oh. totally outside my world, right? Or you know, uh, any of these. Uh, you would love cross-country Christmas. You would love it. <laughs> see, see, well, you, you would have to say that because you're selling your books. But but your your book covers, how do you make them so good? What's what's the process that goes into getting a book cover that people will go, I want to pick that book up and I want to read that book? Okay, well, if you read my bio, you know I'm totally craft-challenged. I have no visual art skills at all. I am just the worst. Technology too. You're a little thin on. I read. I'm terrible at technology. Yeah. I, I like really have very narrow skill set. But um, <laughs> when I when I work with a, a traditional publisher, they they ask you a lot of questions about your characters, like uh, important scenes in the book or important elements in the book, and then they will come up with a five or so mock-ups of covers and then you narrow in on the one that like makes you feel like oh that's my story and then you tell them that and then you tweak 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 um so that's kind of the process with like cross-country christmas and any of the other books i've done with traditional publishers when i'm doing it on my own i rely very very heavily on my my designer and my current designer i've worked with for the probably the last seven books is sherry mcgathy and she is not only incredibly talented, but she is the most patient person you, have, you would ever meet. What you're saying is she puts up with you, Lori. She is puts up with me. Exactly, okay. exactly. Got it. I got it. Because I well, will say, I want to look for, I, I think it's supposed to look like this. And then she'll do it and I'll say, no, that, that doesn't look right. It's like moving the sofa. Let's put it there. Now let's move it over here. That's what Six I do. just to the left. I need it just a little over to the left. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of, of art now, including writing, the, the buzzword that, that people are, are using and they're talking about with, with various degrees of apprehension, fear, or outright white-knuckle panic is AI. That's the buzzword. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you see lots of book covers that are done with AI. And then you see, you see people who actually post on their website, this book cover was not done with AI. Uh, yeah. The same with the writing. You know, you, you can plug in a phrase into chat GPT and, and doggone if that computer won't, you know, write a whole story for you. Um, I know technology is not necessarily your bag, but writing is, 
what's what's Laurie Lewis's take on AI in the literary world? Well, I I feel like most of us are very concerned uh, about how AI could easily replace artists. It could easily replace authors. Um, it could replace it's replacing a lot of people in the audiobook industry as well you know audio ai voiceover talent yeah. yeah yeah it's it's big right now so um i i'm nervous about it my my son wrote me a poem on my birthday last year and i thought oh this is a great poem and i was giving him all this credit and then his brother called him out and he said he did it on chat gpt you know so and I really couldn't tell. I mean, it was very good, you know. Yep, yep. So it is a little, it is a little nerve wracking. And and when you publish, like for instance, if you're doing a book, if you're self publishing a book or indie pubbing, um, on on Amazon, they ask you to declare what parts of your book were done with AI. And I think they're tracking all that right now. But um, I have no skills in that area. So mine are all like pounded out with my little, my little fingers and my uh, artist does it all from scratch. So we're still old school. So that's all right. How long does it usually take you to write a book? It depends. Historical ones take a lot longer. Um, the, the five book historical fiction series called Freeman and Dreamers, like the war of 1812, that was an eight year project for five books. The letter carrier actually was a, took six years to put together, but that was because I was interviewing Michelle over the course of three years and trying to get the information. So it just depends if I'm writing something that's lighter, like a, a, a romance or, um, or, or a women's fiction novel, I can usually do those in uh, six months or so. But the one thing about uh, writing independently is you, you set your own deadlines. You're not being pressed by a publisher or anything. So it's good to have both. It's good to have somebody nudging you along. And then sometimes there are times in your life with whatever's coming up in your world or your family that you just like to kick back and say, I can just publish this when I'm ready, you know? And so um, there's a place for both. Lori Lewis is our guest today. And before we let you jump, I do want to spend a minute on this book, The Letter Carrier. It's a two-time Whitney Award winner, novel of the year, best general fiction. And unlike a lot of your books, you did not totally make this up out of whole cloth. You actually, it's a World War II story, coming of age story. Um, and you spent, as you said, three years, I think, of interviews with one of these these core characters. Um, and, and this family spent several years as captives in their own home uh after it was taken over by the nazis so what drew you to this story and how did you find out the story because it's pretty freaking amazing so the the book would have been a historical biography except michelle's memory was starting to slip and so i had yep. to fill in the gaps and that's why we have to call it historical fiction but uh the majority of the book is pulled directly either from michelle's memories or from um general Patton's actual bio the military stuff came from his personal journals as he would list like every uh, place that the the men were moving and what their circumstances were at the time. So, um, so what, how I met her is kind of a really um, almost a miraculous story because Michelle was in the same assisted living center with my mom for a while. My mom had dementia oh, wow. And, wow. and Michelle had been moved there. She was having some health issues and I came in to see my mom and, and this tiny, tiny little woman who was probably 
4'11 and weighed about 89 pounds, was sitting next to my mom. And as soon as I introduced myself and I heard her accent and I could I could estimate her age because of my mom, I knew that she had lived through some harrowing things. And I said, I said, you have a story to tell. And she said, I've tried to tell it many times. And and she she had a problems because it was so it's still so emotional to her at that time that she would just break down. And uh, I thought at first I would just be helping her write her family's story so she could share it with her children. And I had just finished publishing a book called The, um, the Dragons of Alsace Farm, which was about a woman who survived the Nazi occupation of, of France. And so as soon as I heard Michelle's voice, I said, oh, you know, I this was just fascinating to me because I, you know, that she was a living character from my book. And um, we started interviewing and then she had a fall and she hurt her arm and she had to move to a facility that was uh, with more skilled nursing and it moved her to West Virginia. And Ooh. so then I had to start driving to West Virginia and her daughter Beatrice would come and um, and help with the interviews. She would help, like if Michelle would get stuck on a word in French, Michelle could help, I mean, Beatrice could translate. If Michelle would get stuck on a memory about the family or the, her family genealogy, Michelle could help. And then Michelle or, or Beatrice started bringing me documents. And the more I delved into Michelle's story, the more I realized this is not just a family story. This is a story that a generation needs to read because uh, Michelle used to speak at schools and colleges. And then it, the interest in having a World War II survivor come had dried up. Nobody wanted to talk about it anymore. And she was worried, you know, the old adage, if you forget history, you'll be destined to repeat it. And she was very worried that people were not only not talking about it, but a lot of people were denying that a lot of the things that she witnessed were even that ever they ever happened. And so um, we started working on the book, but we could only meet together about once a month. And I could only talk to her about this, her life for about 15 minutes. And then she would just fall apart. And then mm. we would just sing little French songs and eat chocolate and laugh and talk. But that's why it took so long to get the information out. And then there was a collegiate study done by a school in the area where Michelle grew up and it was all in French, but Beatrice was very kind and she translated a lot of that document for me. And I was watching Michelle's memories line up almost perfectly with this collegiate study. And then I thought I knew most of what she was telling me was, was true, but she would, she'd get a little a few things mixed up. And so that's where we had to do a lot of research and straighten things out and, look for other sources and that's how we put it together the book is uh beautifully written it will take your breath away and uh, i think it's one of those stories that will stick with you once you read it it's uh powerful and it has uh the things that you want in your books faith and hope and it is a two-time whitney award winner the letter carrier from Lori lewis thanks for being here today Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. It was lovely to meet you down in Miami. You know, Miami in the wintertime ain't a bad place to be. It's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's Lori Lewis. She's in Utah now, and she sends her books worldwide. You can check her out at Lori L.C. Lewis.com.
Carrier.com. But I say you start with a letter carrier when you go to the website and check her out and ask for it by name at your local bookstore. Lori Lewis, our guest on the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you for making us part of your day. Thanks for downloading new episodes every Tuesday. Brought to you by our pals at speakermatch.com. From our Washington, D.C. studios, I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for listening. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.